Hello, this is Marvin Harrison from the Dope Black Dance podcast. Today is a very, very special episode and something that means a lot to me. Uh, I'm a deep in the knowing that Anti-Abuse Initiative Enough was recently launched by the government as part of their commitment to tackling violence against women and girls. It's aimed to raise awareness and improve the understanding of abusive behaviours and educate members of the public about how they can help. It differs from other initiatives because it recognises that for too long, the responsibility for reporting and taking action against abuse has been placed on the shoulders of the victims. Instead empowers members of the public to be part of the change by equipping them with a range of different actions they can take to help respond to abuse when they see it. This includes calling it out, if safe to do so, showing support or reporting it. Let us empower individuals to challenge people who commit a range of abusive actions against women and girls. With us in the studio today is Dillis Silla, who will be taking us through the different forms of abusive behaviours, how it impacts individuals and society, and what to do if you experience it or if you witness abuse. Uh, Dillis is a qualified and accredited transformational life coach specialising in grief, marriage and relationship coaching. She's also the minister at New Glory Ministry London, a TEDx and public speaker and events host. She currently hosts her own show, Speak With Delis, on Facebook and founder uh, of a charity, Who Will Hear My Cry, uh, a charity and NGO that raises awareness on rape, child abuse and domestic violence in the UK and Africa. Delis is also the author of a Predator or Prince, How to Find the Man of Your Dreams, Not Your Nightmares and the best-selling book, Not This Wind Widow. Uh, a journey of grief, love, loss, strength, and survival. Dillis, you sound like an incredible human being and superhero. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm really well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Dillis, your book, both of your books, both of the names of them moved me. So, Who Will Hear My Cry uh, as, as your organisation, but also Predator or Prince. Um, and then also just Not This Widow. Um, what what made you name those three organizations or the organization and those two books in that way? And what was happening at that point for you? Okay, so um, with Who Will Hear My Cry, basically what had happened was there was a case in Ghana where I'm, where I'm from. Um, gosh, it's about eight years ago now, where a young girl of the age of about 19, um, she alleged to have been raped by this media personality, very, very popular media personality in, in Ghana. And what had happened was a lot of people just wrote her off. She's a whore. She's this, I mean, very disparaging remarks about her that she's a gold digger. Mm. And, and I thought the criteria by which they were using to judge this young girl who was alleging that she'd been raped by a 50-year-old man, I just yeah. had a problem with it. Yeah. And I just felt that people didn't understand the definition of rape and consent and the person's mm. right to withdraw consent, even if she did, because this rape was alleged to have taken place in a hotel room even if she did go there with the intention of having sex. So cut a long story short, I did a video about it. I got death threats from the person's brother in London. It was it was a whole big thing. And I was having a conversation with a friend because I had these influx of people who alleged to have been raped by him as well. Wow. Okay. It was it was it was it was a lot. And it was like, well, I've had all this, you know, attention from the media and what have you. And if I just stop here, who's going to hear the cry of these women? 
And it yeah. was then that that name, when I decided I was going to set up the NGO in Ghana, the charity in England, that I named the charity Who Will Hear My Cry. So that's how that one got its name. Um, for Predator or Prince, um, it's a book that basically shows women how to spot red flags in men who may be either physically abusive, sexually, or abusive in any way. And mm. men often present themselves or are either the predator or the prince. The problem is without the information, women aren't able to tell the difference, not because they're stupid, but because they lack experience and don't know what to look out for. So when men are mm. exhibiting certain behaviors, they don't have the expertise to be able to identify and label the behaviors appropriately so that they can take action. Yeah, yeah really powerful. And just, and thank you for sharing that as well. Cause I think, um, uh, you know, we are dope black dads and, it's amazing how real life events can shape who you become and what you then do. Um, and the language that came of it is really organic. And I think maybe that's why it resonated with me so much more because it's almost like it's very directional in its name in terms of what it is. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the Enough campaign? Yes, so the campaign, as you rightly said, was put together to help raise awareness and on certain behaviours in regards to violence against uh, women and girls. And obviously the government put this together because it's evident that that situation and our mindset when it comes to violence against women and girls, you know, really needs to be addressed. And, you know, the fact that for too long, the responsibility to not be a victim is placed on the victim, which is very similar to the messaging in, in mm. you know, in charity. It's not a victim's responsibility not to be a victim. So, you know, that campaign mm. was has been put together to also help people to be able to identify those dangerous behaviours and what people can do to help, you know, identify it and and prevent it. So in a nutshell, that's what the campaign, you know, seeks to do. It's really powerful. And then in terms of like the different types of abusive behaviours against women and girls, you know, the, there are some obvious ones that we're aware of, but there might be others that we're not familiar, familiar with. Can you give us some examples of the different types of abuses that people should be aware of? I mean, one that is, is quite common is forced marriage. That is considered mm. violence against girls. And I and I think some I, I obviously I'm, consider it to be wrong, but I wouldn't. I would never consider that one when in the realm of thinking about abuses. But I would definitely obviously consider it wrong separately. But that's really interesting. Go for it. Yes, I was going to say. And sometimes we don't realize that violence isn't just a physical contact. Violence is is also mm. against the emotion. It's also against the mental health and mental stability of that individual. So, for example, if you and I are in a relationship. And, you know, we take pictures and you now threaten me and say, well, I'm going to, you know, send these pictures to X, Y, Z. That is considered as violence. Even though somebody may think, well, I'm just making a threat because it's a threat against that, that person's emotional stability. Even though there is not a physical, you know, contact in regards to violence as we would think about it in its typical form. And I think what's dangerous about that is we, some people may feel that it's either not as serious or because it flies, you know, a little bit below the radar, it's not that bad. But it has caused people to commit suicide. It's caused young girls who often are a victim of this kind of behavior to really mm. go into a very dark place because of the embarrassment and the shame and, and those kind of things. So it's, it's, it's important to, to be able to make that, um, that qualification. The other thing as well, is, you know, abuse of finances where you limit somebody's ability to be able to look after themselves or be responsible for their, you know, financial well-being. So mm. controlling that money so that the woman can be controlled. 
So mm. they're all different types of, of, of abuses, you know, um, that people <clears throat> go through. That's really interesting. So we, we had a men's group a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that came out of that men's group was um, men where, where men are strong in, in a relationship. And everybody in that group were like, my work, my job creates and provides mm. for my family. And so the woman in my life, my wife, my partner, supporting me in this is in the interest of our family. And my view to them was that actually, no, this is you doing your thing. You would do this whether you were married or not. This is just what you do now. And it's great that, you know, she might be able to support you, but it's not her job to become an employee in your company, almost like a free labor in your company um, to help you with your mission. She can voluntarily to do so, but it's not a burden that she should be placed on that. It's a very common thing that, you know, a man comes up with an idea, his partner then becomes a part of the mission in sort of this unpaid labor position. And then the money is still controlled by the mm-hmm. man is this something you're thinking about or do you mean like someone actually giving over their wages to their husband so that they can or their man in their life so that they can um, <clears throat> survive is, is it all of those things i think it's all of those things if it is disempowering to the woman because mm. we can always get technical about things mm. but i always say that you can't you see when laws and rules are put in place they're put in place for the people that want to break them i don't need somebody to tell me dealers don't commit murder I don't need someone to say to me, don't bear false witness. I don't need somebody to say to me, don't break into a house. Mm. But for the one who wants to commit murder and break into a house, they are the ones that need to have that information. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Powerful. Mm. You know? So when you have people that have a predisposition to be controlling and to be abusive, then they would try and find the loophole of where they can feel more comfortable to exhibit that behavior mm. that they know is not acceptable and is not right. They know. That's really powerful. It's, yeah, I suppose like you only need that information and seek it so that you can exploit it. And I think that's Absolutely. one of the other key things that, and, and this happens in other realms as well, but I think when in terms of like social contracts, you know, the person that asks all these questions is because they want to know the sandbox that they can play in and where they can violate you. And it's Absolutely. like, my, my big thing is just in general, just about honor. Like, how, are you honoring the person? And, and are you listening to them? And if you listen to them and then your intentions are to honor them, there's certain things you just don't do. And, um, and wouldn't you suggest? Yeah. yeah. I think that becomes a really interesting way of looking at it. Absolutely. Uh, how, how long have you been doing this work? When did you start? And what what made you see that moment where you said the woman, in, the young lady in Ghana, the young girl in Ghana, sorry. Um, what what made you, what was the voice in you that told you you need to do something? Because inherently other people may have heard this story and they didn't do it. So what would you say the difference is and how long have you been doing this work for? I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to pick on something that you just did. Mm. You said this young woman and then he said, sorry, this young girl. And, and I'm picking up on this because I, I, I mean, of course, I don't know you, but I have <clears throat> immense respect for you just from that statement you just made. And I'll tell you why. Slightly off topic ish, the 15 year old mm. girl that was strip searched in school while she was on her period. Mm. I was on Twitter yesterday and somebody described her as a young woman. And I said, there mm. is nothing womanly about a 15 year old. I said, mm. language is hugely important when we are discussing issues in regards to women and girls and gender-based violence or anything to do with abuse. Why? Because it invokes different images and different levels of compassion or empathy or seeing that person as a victim and what type of victim. So the example Mm. I gave was, if you described her as a teenager was strip searched, a young child was strip searched, 
A young woman was strip searched. Who evokes the most emotion, concern, and empathy? And who sounds the most disempowered? It、mm. is most certainly not the young woman. So when you said, because you remember that I said she was 19, she's a child.、Mm. In, if she was in America, she would, which, and I think she, she actually lived in Australia. If she was in America, she wouldn't be able to drink in some states. You've got to be 21.、Mm. So I think it was, it, I, I just felt that it was important to make that point that language is hugely important when we are discussing these issues. So now you can ask your question. <laughs> I just want to know how, how long have you been doing this work? And thank you for, for highlighting that, by the way, as well. But like,、um, how long have you been doing this work? And, and what was that thing inside you that encouraged you? To speak up because you know, lots of other people may have heard about this story but didn't necessarily say or do anything about it.、Um, I think by nature, I hate injustice just by、mm. nature. The other thing was, and how I actually got into this work particularly, was because at the time I was running something called the Fit Chicks Club on Facebook. And it was for women、mm. of a certain age who wanted to be fit and healthy, not to prescribe to any particular body type or, you know, let's all look like the Stepford Wives, but to say, change something within your, your lifestyle that will be able to help your health emotionally and what have you. So I used to do these, you know, great events where we would all wear red and we'd show up, you know, in, in restaurants and have like really nice networking events.、Um, but what I found was a lot of women. Would share with me that they were having issues with food and their weight and self image because of certain types of abuse, whether it was domestic violence, whether it was sexual abuse, or whether they had been raped. And it was just the sheer influx of、um, support that they needed that、mm. made me say, okay, right, I'm going to do a YouTube channel. So, the first video that I put out was about what is rape because that case had come out and I was hearing all this nonsense. You know, that people were saying, especially people within the, the, the our community, oh, she's this, she's that, you know, these young girls nowadays. There was no mention of the fact that the man is 50 and this child is 19. So I did this video、mm. and it was just the sheer volume of, of people that came forward. Like for the first time, somebody is listening to me. For the first time, I'm not being judged. I mean, I had people saying, look, I've been married for X amount of years. My husband doesn't know that I was raped at this age. Terrible stories. And I felt、mm. that I knew that I was articulate enough to be able to tell their story. And that is why I decided that I was going to be a spokesperson for that group of people raising awareness on rape, child abuse, and domestic violence. So that, that's how I got into it. What, what, what do you think uh, prevents uh, victims from、um, reporting abuse? I, I, you know, you're, you're, you're standing here verbalizing your ex- lived experience really powerfully、um, and clearly. And I, and I can, you know, I feel like if anything happened to you, you may be able to share it or to do the things that are required to safeguard yourself、um, and, and to highlight what your experience is. I, I think that's often what happens whenever there's a discourse around abuses and rape culture. You know, there'll be someone that will highlight it as being abusive. And then they'll be like, oh, that happened seven years ago. Why did they never say anything seven years ago? What, what, what in your understanding, prevents people from speaking? That statement.、Mm. It happened years ago. Why now? Because who are we to say to somebody when they are ready to face the trauma that they've gone through and say, well, you know, you're on a clock here. You know, you've got 20 minutes. Say you were abused by your father.、Mm. Say you were sexually assaulted on your way home. 
When you know that you are, you come from a community that the first thing they're going to ask is what you were wearing or mm. what time was it? Mm. Or don't say that because you know, you're going to cause a problem within the family. Do you know how many cases I've dealt with even in churches where pastors have been responsible for inappropriate sexual, you know, behavior and cases have been hush hushed. It happens so much. We need to create mm. an atmosphere of safety so that people can feel safe, mm. that they will not be asked foolishness. Oh, well, why now? It's been 30 mm. years. Yes, all it means they've lived with trauma for 30 years and the fear of being believed. And what you have done 30 years mm. later is confirm the reason why they didn't speak 30 years ago. Where is the perpetuating of um, how we center the victim as the person that needs to be doing something different to be safe? Where does that come from? Um, I think it comes out of not wanting to confront the problem. I mean, there are families where they have had known paedophiles from generation to generation, and yet they will still send their child to that house that they themselves were abused in. Sometimes it's about denial. Mm. Sometimes it's about trying to be normal, knowing that you are in a very abnormal you know, environment. Sometimes it's because you don't want the neighbors to know what's going on. So there's a whole mm. array of reasons as to why people do that. Again, if you're talking about the black mm. community, don't let people know our business. That's something that is ingrained. Mm. I remember reading that book, um, Ugly, and it caused mm. such, it was Constance, I can't remember her name now, but it was about a little girl yeah, who was yeah. being physically abused by her mom. I've never seen black people so angry. Mm. And it, it's always to dumb down the abuse. Oh, well, we were beaten as children. Why is she making a big deal out of it? So we always try mm. to invalidate the voice of the victim. You see, one of the things that baffled me when I was dealing with that, um, that case of the 19-year-old was the lack mm. of empathy from the women in the community. I couldn't understand it. And then the penny dropped when somebody had a conversation with me about her having allegedly, I have to use that word, having been raped by this same person. And the, mm. and she was 15 at the time, uh, 15 at the time. And mm. her, state, the statement she made to me was, but that girl was 19, she was lucky. Well, what about me? And there was a sense of resentment because what, they, what had come out was the girl was actually a virgin. Because, you know, oh. obviously in Ghana, they don't have the kind yeah. of laws they have here. So they divulged her whole medical, you know, history wow. and confirmed that it was disgusting. It was really awful. Wow. And there was a sense of, well, I was violated four years earlier than her. So what's the big deal? At 19, most girls may be having sex. So therefore, and right. it sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it answered that question as to why is there such a lack of empathy and sympathy for this child but then i got it's, it is it is it to say then that within victim culture we're all trying to create a hierarchy of victimhood as in like we i've been hurt more than you and so yes. therefore you shouldn't be as mad because your circumstances you were older and you know he was your boyfriend yes. at the time at least you loved him like just coming up with you know fictional absolutely reasons. absolutely and, and i believe that happens because people aren't being heard sorry 
No, I'm just saying that that feels like. Sorry, I'm 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 also slightly getting enraged as I'm as, as we're talking. So I'm trying to like stay <laughs> stay engaged because <laughs> what what I'm I'm present to, and obviously as a as a hetzis man, I just there, there are blind spots still, and and you know I've had to go on a journey over 15 years of just like I was lucky that my mother. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Which is very directional about conduct and consent. And she just, it was like, yeah. it was like the one big message that she gave me. It yes, was just I like, was like she, yeah. yeah, she just, she spoke that into me in such a way that I almost came really fearful and apprehensive about engaging. Because I was like, I never yeah. want to get this wrong. The idea of yeah. him being accused of making a woman feel unsafe to me was really difficult to oh. process. And so I've tried really hard, but you know, you have blind spots, you know, you make errors, but you know, I've had to go back and repair and be like, actually, you know what? Like one really good example is the culture of negging being a part of abuse culture where you're like, you know, you say to somebody, oh, you like that type of music? I oh, don't rubbish. What about you eat that? Why are you eating that for? And constantly mm. just chipping away and like, mm. You know, I would make jokes like that. I would say things that were like intended to be funny as like a, just a joke between us. And then after a while, you realize that people start changing their behavior to the things, the jokes that you're making. Yeah. You're like, actually, I'm giving you an experience, which is like giving you doubt for your choices. And this is not okay. So I had to go back and, and repair that and have that conversation. It was a girlfriend I had in my t- early 20s. And I remember doing that, thinking I was funny. But then when you realize, you can, one, you can repair, but like, I think what's really important is that um, there was a, a famous person here. I'm trying not to say people's names because I don't think it's worthy, but I don't want to distract. Yeah. But there was a famous person here that was found to be um, doing lots of different things, at different ranges, levels, socially and uh, in terms of the, their profession. And at that time, it was really well prominent. But everyone was like, where are all the men's voices at this time? And uh, they were asking me and, and um, I was actually weren't even here at the time. So it felt differently. But when I, when I did start asking men, like, how are you feeling? Many of them were just saying they don't really understand. And what they never want to do is stand in the light and then have something that they did in 1992 come up and be like, mm. you pushed me over when we were playing Kiss Chase or you kissed me without me wanting to. Yeah. Or you even more adult and more directional than that. And you did something to me that made me feel unsafe, that hurt me. And I think nobody wants to then be cancelled. Nobody then wants to be um, held account to behaviours that they're mm. probably not quite sure they did. You know, is is that a, a genuine problem? And and do you have a view on how men can internalize that and do something with d- despite of not knowing or not feeling hundred percent comfortable? You see, from when we are little children, mm. we know when we're doing something wrong. So that I don't buy. Mm. You know, if you did something to some girl way back when that she didn't like, and it would be mm. more than kissing her in the playground. You know, you know why mm. I know. You know. Because when I started this charity, I had some of my male friends, a couple of them, called me and said, Dillish, you know what? When I look back, there's certain things I did when I was younger. I was wrong. Mm. And my response was, not you, bloody, bloody, blah. I said, I respect you from being able to take responsibility and admit what you did. 
But if you know that you have put pressure on a woman or a girl for sex or you, you know, because you read body language. If you can read the body language of a woman that is coming onto you, mm. you can read the body language of a woman that doesn't want you near her. You know. Mm. Um, one, one thing that's really worth talking about is male victims. Again, in, in many of our spaces when we've had this conversation, men have, have actually, very rarely, but have shared that they, they've been on the receiving end of abuse from women. I've been in a physically abusive relationship with a woman before in my late teens, early 20s. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's really important to validate men as well and how they can be victims of abuse. Is, is, is the symptoms different? Is the circumstances different? Or does it just show up in the same way? The fact is more women are affected by gender-based violence than men are. But that doesn't mean that men are not important. What it means is you go through the same process of being able to confide in somebody, if you can, and being given absolutely the same level of respect that you would give the female victim. Men have died as a result of domestic violence. Mm. So by no means should it be downplayed, but at the same time, it should not invalidate because we have this tendency. I had it all the time running the charity. Oh, but men are abused too. Okay, so what's your point? Mm. Because it's always said from a viewpoint, well, men are abused as well, so it's no big deal. Mm. But it is a big deal for both. But anybody that's a victim, it is a big deal for them. You know, so we've now, got our girl being, you know, affected by domestic violence from as young as 16. Mm. Now, because of adolescence and what have you, it is not as common as seeing 16-year-old boys being physically abused by their girlfriends. Mm. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but they are rather exceptions than, than the rule. Mm. So I would say it's it's as important, but the magnitude of the problem is not as wide and as vast as women and girls. Yeah. I think, um, you know, as a man, if I'm seeing like my friend uh, 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 has been in a relationship that's abusive, how, how do I spot it as a man um, so I can make a stand or, or maybe even just show some care. Like, yeah, like if I see someone in my family or a friend, like my oh, my little sister, what if I know someone in my family that is showing up differently? And uh, how, what are the signs that I would have to look out for um, to potentially um, make an intervention? A lot of insecurity, hmm. lack of eye contact, a lot of defensiveness, a lot of denial. It's very rare for a victim of domestic violence to admit that they're being beaten. Hmm. Or there is coercive control because as we you know, spoke about the so-called non-violent and I would say lack of physical content, uh, contact because they're all violent. Where you've got coercive control, where you're controlling this person's their thoughts and you know, you're, you're, you're gaslighting the person. You're, you're putting something here. No, I didn't leave that. They're all, you're always like that. You're so those kind of things. You will see a change in that person's behavior. And I think what's important is really just giving that reassurance constantly. I'm here for you if you need to. I won't judge you. Because sometimes what a lot of women are afraid of is the fact that the man will be confronted and they think mm. it's going to be worse for them. So maybe giving them that reassurance that whatever it is that we need to speak about is just between us. I'm there for you. Mm. Whenever you need my help, you call me. This is my number. You know, ring me when you need to. I'll be there. And just having that reassurance and that comfort, it goes a long way. It's mm. really powerful. Um, and then in terms of like... Um, you know, men confiding in people. We, you know, we have sort of perpetrator um, ways of sort of interacting with them. If you thought about your friend, your male friend was doing, is being violent, or you witnessed it, you were out together at dinner or something and you witnessed some sort of controlling behavior. There was actually one time where um, uh, I had some friends over to my house for dinner and their partner 
was being it was it was actually my friend but the way that she was interacting with him felt very dominating and and quite abusive um and he he wasn't particularly well he was i think he was having a depressive period um i'm not sure if that was formally diagnosed or just a period that was a state um and she just kept on launching at him at the, at the table and i just felt it made me feel very uncomfortable yeah and then yeah and i was looking at him for like anything in his eyes to be like are you okay is this normal or is this just a moment what's happening here um and he couldn't really commit or connect in any way shape or form it was really difficult to see like how you know what how would I, how would you approach somebody? How would you, like me, I'm standing there and I'm like, you know, how would I step in? What were some of the things I could do to um, let them know that I'm here or help them? You see, when you're dealing with man on man, it's very different from if, Mm. as in the man is a victim, as you are saying, and you being a man speaking to your male friend. Mm. The dynamics are very different because no man wants to admit something as embarrassing as your girlfriend or your wife is able to maltreat you in that way. Mm. So you have to approach it very sensitively, not in a way that you see them as a victim. Rather, I would approach it from, it's not right that you are having to be spoken to in that way in front of people. I've got a lot of respect for you and my respect for you will never change but don't allow anybody to be disrespectful towards you. I would be very careful with my words as a man speaking mm. to another man. Yeah. And I, I, to be honest, because it was my friend and her husband, I almost felt like there was a contract which I couldn't violate. And so I kind of became an observer and it, I've, I've lived with it ever since and thought about it. I've referenced it a couple of times on the podcast, mm. more just from a point of because men are usually the perpetrators and yeah. women are usually the victims when you see it in reverse, you almost feel like, oh yeah, but like maybe you start justifying it in some sort of way. And because it's not, you know, it's not literally launching at him. It's the, it's the, it's the abuse culture underneath. It's the language that is used about somebody. I then, I, you know, I, I kind of got froze on it and I was actually, this is a, a blind spot for me. But then I think about it a lot actually. Um, and it's probably not something I can go and have a conversation with them now, but like I do think about it a lot in terms of just, you know, there are some men who struggle with those things and the culture and the spaces aren't there for them to say, you know, stop or this is difficult. It's a very different mm-hmm. thing because I think the culture, and this is me as a man saying this from outside, I, I, you can mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like there's a culture being created by women for women to create the space to say that. And if a woman goes to another woman and says, this is happening to me, there is a culture of, of belief and there is a culture in those spaces what happens mm. outwardly is still challenging, but in the culture of how women listen to women. Whereas for men, I don't think they're listened to as men or by the wider society. And so there is that little bit of shame and stigma that keeps it really small. And if you're not someone who can fight for yourself or you're with a powerful or strong-willed woman who is doing that, it's really difficult to to call out, to name um, and to do something about. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know if that if that lands with you. I, I, you see, for me, I don't ever invalidate how people think or what they feel because that's your lived experience. Mm. So I can't just invalidate it and write it off. I can only reassure and maybe clarify. So, for example, you would be believed outside if you went to. Let me explain it this way. 
there are women who are not always believed. I've I've been to a police station with a woman who was, you know, practically thrown out of the car of, of a moving car with her husband. She went to the police station and the police didn't even take a statement. Mm. I went with her and raised Mary Hell mm. before they would even take a statement. So in the issue of not being believed, it comes down to many things. Comes down to sometimes your ethnicity, when people mm. just don't give a damn because it's happening to a black or brown person. It could come down to the fact of your social s- s- status. You're homeless, so mm. they don't give a damn. So in terms of people not being responsive, it isn't just because oh, it's because I'm a man. Because there are you know provisions that have been made and are being made for men, and we are recognizing that men are victims. Mm. Locally, i.e., amongst friends, check your friends. Yeah. If you really have a good friend that would not be supportive of your disclosure of what you are struggling with, then that's not a friend. I, I have mm. a male friend whose partner very physically abusive, and he confided in me mm. many times. Never did I turn him away. He's mm. not a small man. He's a he's a solid guy. Mm. His partner is like that. Mm. But I never made him like oh you know how could you be so whatever never. So you know these are the times where we have to look at the relationships that we have and have quality relationships because like they say when the rain falls it doesn't fall on one man's housetop. Find decent friends. Mm. I found out who my friends were when my husband died. Mm. Trust me. So, you know, when these situations happen, maybe it's a godsend it's for you to clear out and know who is in your camp and who's not in your camp. But if you're going through something like that and you can't spot anybody to go to, then again, you are the common denominator. You need to check yourself as well. It sounds yeah. harsh, but for me I'm about real life and reality. I don't do, you know. No, I'm I'm with you. I I think when you go through um you can apply it to a slightly broader context in that when you go through transformative things in your life and you look around and think that you, there's no one you can feel like you're going to be safe to have that conversation with it really is important to like mm-hmm. consider who's around you and for everyone that's had to do that I think the pandemic and meets George Floyd that that period that two-year period a lot of things came out yeah. and a lot of reality was presented to people that they, they couldn't that. avoid um, mm-hmm. and even for myself I've had to change the way I exist as well in that time period and it's really funny that before that I, I genuinely would never have questioned anything and then during that period when it was difficult I ended up questioning everything and it was just mm-hmm. like a stark contrast another thing I wanted to ask actually and this is actually it's not it's kind of connected but uh, when I was in New York uh, I met somebody who was who was talking to me about just their level of care and one of the things they talk about is that they never wanted to create any more harm um, for black women specifically that 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 was their um, uh, viewpoint and they were talking about how um, in the in the pursuit of how they go about their lives and the men that they you know she would never take a, a, a man from another woman um, mm-hmm. and create that harm for them mm-hmm. um, in terms of care I, many many of us I don't want to say many of us I feel like I, it's hard to say that but there are people who have had very traumatic upbringings very challenging um, experiences in relationships is, is is the answer just that just care in terms of how you deal with people like moving a bit slower in your social contracts and transactions and being and being more mindfulness is is it just 
that is, is it a culture that's happening outside of. So it's almost like there's a culture of behavior and in it, abuse becomes common. Because then it's just like, we're all moving so fast. We meet each other and it's like, what can we get from each other right now? And mm. then you move on into somebody else and you never think about what happens afterwards. It doesn't matter to you that they may have come from somewhere and had a very similar occurrence. You may be the third person to do that to them <laughs> in that period of time. Is it just genuinely the world isn't caring enough? Or is it this a very specific group of people who are just being abusive that are abusive? Is it hurt people hurting people or is it more, more broader than that? I think the world in which we are born into is broken and the social structures that are there and the social constraints that we that we are born into mm. dictate a lot of how we exist and mm. coexist. So for example, because of the work that I do in my own life experiences and observations, People are broken in different areas for different reasons. Mm. Sometimes they don't know they're broken mm-hmm. because they don't know the source of their brokenness. Mm. Sometimes people don't know that they have gone through trauma because it has been normalized. So for example, one of the episodes on my show, I think about four weeks ago, was about adult people, about adults who were raised with verbal abuse as being part of their upbringing. Mm. And what I sought to do was to break down what verbal abuse looks like. Because mm. in some communities, it's so normal that we don't even realize that it's abusive and that it has shaped us. You know, when I was, when I was doing the show and I was doing my research, it even verbal abuse in terms of, you know, a child can contribute to how their IQ, you know, is, is formed within the brain. There's so much that happens. It's related to certain types of stress, certain types of stress and depression. Because when we are raised in a house where you're constantly told, are you stupid? Why did you do this? Or or in some cultures, your physical attributes are used as part of the correction. Look at your dirty face. You're so stupid. That it's, it's so normal. Mm. And being Ghanaian, I spoke in my local dialect. And when I said it, it was like, oh yeah, I've heard that one. It's mm. normal. Or to call a child... Hey, it's normal. Mm. And someone and what, what, that what does that mean? Sorry, just just for the the others. It means it's like, hey. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And someone mm. tried that with my son once. Hey, it was they didn't find it easy. I said, <laughs> when I christened my son, his first name was not Hey. Yeah. I said, go and give birth before you don't try that. But then I am more the exception to the rule. Dillis, thank you so much. That, uh, especially that last point, that really moved me. I was like, hey, thank you so much. Um, uh, we know stopping violence against women and girls is the responsibility of everyone, not just the victims. If you see it, take action, show support, report it. There are safe ways to act when we see it or hear something that isn't quite right. If you think someone is in immediate danger, call 999. Or if you can report an abusive incident to the police by calling 101, enough is enough visit gov.uk forward slash enough to find out more Dennis, thank you you've been a star if you ever need anything from any of us any me anyone anything i'm connected to please do ask um can i ask can i ask now go for it <laughs> i have i'm actually launching um speak with Dillis on the 22nd of april at the leonardo royal hotel tickets are being sold on eventbrite so i would love it if you know you would come and anybody that would like to help sponsor the event be my guest. 
Make sure we are emailed everything and we'll, we'll make sure we put it all over the place and uh, everyone Wonderful. can see it. I really uh, I, I'll tell you now from a personal point of view is that so many women in my life and so many people that I know have been the victim of different types of abuses and rape culture that I'm, I forever have zero tolerance for it. And I do try to make it uncomfortable for as many people as possible. But in, in essence, it's like even my own journey is just constantly trying to improve and be better and be present to what I create for others. But it's something that we just have to stop being shy about um, and be embarrassed by. And we need to actually just bring it into the forefront um, and, and just see where we land because I think there's so much better that we can treat each other. And inherently, yeah. we all end up treating each other. I think victims then, you know, have an experience that then they can pass some of that energy onto somebody else and it creates more trauma for others. Absolutely. And then perpetrators are just there to go and enact it against more and more people without ever being mm-hmm. challenged. So everybody needs to be heard and everyone needs to have Absolutely. space to heal from from these experiences but thank you so much Dennis and we'll definitely have a catch up again I'd love to make this a regular conversation that we do just to really thank drive it so home much. for our people thank no you worries. I'd appreciate that too thank you Dope Black Podcast Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 